Good evening and welcome to another edition of Movement Radio. Today, on this episode of The Hauntings of, we travel all the way to the great New England area for Connecticut, the new home of horror, the new home of suspense, and the new home of paranormal activities. And now, your host, Chief Hazard and Talon Williams. <laughs> Talent. Don't don't ben. dude. I, I don't know. I, I don't dude, know. Dude's back. I know. I know like, he's back. I think he's dude. just following you. Yeah, I don't know look, why he's following me. All right, I, look, I man. All right. He can stay. He can even pull up a chair at the yeah, table. Just no, please don't make him pull a chair at the table. But, he's but wearing. He can't talk. He's wearing a necklace made out of human ears. I know. It, I, this is okay. your fault. How's it my fault? This it wasn't my idea. Blame the people that voted for us to do haunted places in America. I'm just saying, this is all your. It fault. ain't my fault. Tell him he can pull up a chair, but he can't talk. You're the one that said he could pull up a chair. You don't want to bought the $65 lock, it doesn't work. Anyway, hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Movement Radio. Uh, and today we are here to talk about the most haunted places in the state of Connecticut. Uh, as you may have noticed, there has been a recent trend lately of horror movies that are being set in Connecticut, and it's been that way for a couple of years now. And there's some pretty good reasons why that is. In short, the state of Connecticut has drawn a whole lot of, you know... Ire from a diff from different um, uh, paranormal investigators now because they want to explore all these different places right. in Connecticut now, and uh, I think we'll go ahead. And we'll knock out the first one real quick. It's yeah, go a, ahead. It's a place called the Union Cemetery. It's in Easton, Connecticut. Um, it's really considered one of the most haunted cemeteries in the United States, um, and um, like you know. Like with other cemeteries, you know, they're burial grounds, obviously, but this does have a fair share of ghost stories. And there's one ghost story. Have you ever heard a story about the White Lady? The White Lady is undoubtedly the cemetery's most famous apparition, okay? She has been cited by numerous witnesses, even by the, a police force and firemen in the area. Various photographers have... Very various photographs of her have been have appeared over time, and even equally popular paranormal investigators Ed and Lauren, uh, I'm sorry, Lorraine Warren, have claimed to have captured her on film. Witnesses okay. described her as a lady with a long, with long dark hair, wearing a white nightgown and a boutonnet. I want to say it's house pronounced or a bonnet. However, uh, how people say it. Bonnet. Bonnet, okay. Yeah, yeah. The, the French language is very strange to me. Um, she is usually sighted along Route 59, but sometimes she is even seen on Route 111. Uh, a reported collision with the white lady in 1993 left a car dented. So basically, the car was driving. They thought they maybe, oh my God, we hit somebody. You know, and then you get out of the car. The car's completely dented, but you look around, there's no body there. That's very weird. I mean, it could have been a deer. Yeah, but... I've hit a deer before, and they just, like, run the fuck off, and... I have never heard of an instance where a, a car hits a deer, and the deer just looks like, bitch, what, what was that? You know, like, I've never heard of a story like that. You know, right. it, it's insane. I well, mean... I'm telling you. A, it, a it deer happened. hit the car, and just... Well, that's crazy. Yeah. So, according to the legend... The white lady was a murder victim who died in the 1940s. There are also rumors that she was a mourning she was a mourning mother who was still searching for her long lost daughter. Another character which is considered a staple of the Union Cemetery in Easton is Red Eyes. Okay, now if anyone here from the Georgia area knows the story of Green Eyes, this is kind of I don't know if it's similar but look, hear me out. 
It says that one person who has who was walking by the cemetery claimed to have seen a pair of red eyes peering at him from the bush. When he turned around to run, he heard footsteps following him. Paranormal investigators suspect that Red Eyes is the ghost of early Catalog, the man who was said to have set a fire to the street in 1935. Wow. Who in the hell names their child Early? I have no idea. Like how early you got to be to na- be named Early? I don't know. You were born at I don't know twelve oh one a.m. Maybe that's very yes. pretty name Early. That's Early. And the cemetery, the cemetery's long and frightening history has has even led to Ed and Lorraine Warren to write a book entitled entitled The Graveyard. And okay. I'm pretty sure you can find that book at your local McKay's or Amazon or something like that. But the the one the the red eyes it it brought me again to another. I actually read this two days ago. I read a story called The Other Watcher, and it was about... Let me guess, just one of them internet ghost stories, It's another internet ghost story, but it it reminded me of it. I'm telling you. We can get into this, man. It's good. Anyway, um, so do you have any brief history on on where it was as the... Hold on a second. Oh, this is the only page I have. I'm sorry. I'm losing my mind, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so another brief history of the. Have uh, a mind to lose it. I know, right? So anyway, there's another brief history. Uh, it's located at Stepnan Road in Easton, Connecticut. Union Cemetery was opened back in the 19th. I'm sorry, back in the 1700s, and it continues to host um, internments until until today. I don't know why it says until today. Yeah. Uh, there was an old Baptist church connected to the cemetery, and the entire site is now patrolled by police and people who enter the premises without permission will be arrested yeah hmm. so that's interesting to me typically the places that we talk about on our hauntings of episodes are places that you can still go and visit and learn about but apparently um the people at union cemetery do not want uh want you to do that yeah i think i think because it's still connected to the church and a lot of people yeah not still go that. to that church so maybe yeah. maybe maybe it's the pastor or maybe you know the family of the you know deceased or maybe people that because the congregation themselves have said, even said you know we don't want people trespassing on our property right on the church property you know this is our time to worship you know we don't need people trying to you know grave plot and things like that at the time yeah, it makes know? sense so, i get it yeah i get it too so anyway, uh, we'll jump to the next one. Yeah, so next up we're going to talk about Fairfield Hills State Hospital in Newtown. Right. Newtown, Connecticut. A uh, little little brief history here. Um, the campus-like facility was designed to help alleviate overcrowding at the two other state hospitals. The colonial-style buildings were built out of red brick and were attractively accented. The original buildings were fireproof all throughout. However, other buildings were built onto the facility in later years. Right. The hospital itself had 16 buildings in total and an additional 670 acres of land around them. The lands consist most mostly of forests and large farm meadows. The first patients were received in the hospital on the first day of June in 1933. Initially, there were less than 500 patients and three doctors by the late 1960s, however, there it housed more than 400 patients, 50 nurses, 20 doctors, and 100 more employees um, at that location. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says that the hospital was finally closed on the 8th day of December, 1995. So that's fairly Pretty recent. recent. Yeah. You know, within the last 
30 years. years. 20, 30, 25, 30 years, sure. Yeah. Uh, the patients, patients were transferred to the Connecticut Valley Hospital in Middleton, Connecticut because of its reputation, Fairfield Hills was featured on an episode of MTV's Fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they called it something different, though, because I don't think they could have used, because I think, especially with that, because you know how sometimes they'll use, because in, in one episode they talked about the Moundsville State Prison, they called it they called it West Virginia State Prison because right. of licensing and things like that. Yeah. So that could be a, under a different a, alias on the show, right. possibly. Um, it says the Institute was privately owned at one time and is now owned by the state. Okay. Uh, patrolled by state troopers, there are numerous underground tunnels inside. However, none of them are passable because they were all welded shut at the door. Mm-hmm. Every Halloween, there are at least four squad cars patrolling the area at all times. That makes sense because, you know, the Halloween area, you know, Halloween time of year, they want to go to that area because they want to possibly, you know, do like well, what everyone does at Halloween. They want to scare people, pull pranks, have little ghost adventures and, right. you know, possibly. Or it could be kids wanting to sneak in and have parties and things like that. That's, that's happened before, too. Um, so... It says that uh, Fairfield Hills State Hospital is one of the most haunted places in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. Like most mental hospitals of the time, the way that the patients were treated would today be considered barbaric and inhumane. Right. Um, Standard treatments included things like uh, psychosurgeries, hydrotherapy, electric shop therapy, and of course, completely unauthorized full frontal lobotomies. Time out. Okay, so hydrotherapy would be kind of like waterboarding. Kind of like waterboarding. Okay, psychosurgery would be more of like brain surgery. No, that would be what a lobotomy is, right? Right. Right. So, what what is psychosurgery? I've uh, never I've never heard of it. Let me yeah, let me Google that real quick. Yeah, you Google psychosurgery. You and go I'll ahead finish. and continue. Let me yeah yeah this. yeah. Uh, there were countless suicides and uh, suspicious deaths in the hospital, and tales of unnecessary cruelty and abuse were rife. <clears throat> All of this is the perfect recipe for some restless spirits. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is common for visitors to the old hospital to hear disembodied voices, or more accurately, screams and crying. Mm-hmm. This is presumably the spirits of long-dead patients reliving the agony of their so-called treatments whilst held at what is possibly one of the most haunted abandoned mental hospitals in the entire U.S. Mm. There are also multiple reports of apparitions in white roaming... uh, I'm sorry. There are also multiple reports of apparitions in white roaming the grounds, which are believed to be the mix of former staff and patients who are still bound to the hospital, even in their death. And that seems to be a thing with a lot of hospitals, yeah. especially with uh, people that... So I looked up uh, psychosurgery. Psychosurgery, It is yes. also known... It is also called Neurosurgery for Mental Disorder, NMD, which is a neurosurgical treatment for mental disorders. Okay. So I learned something today. I've never heard of that word before. I was always... Like, I, like for me, like... When I hear lobotomy, that's automatically what I think of, right. especially when it comes to uh, different thing. Here, let me put this over here for a second. All right, yeah, yeah. so, um, but yeah, that's it's a uh, it's different. So anyway, we're gonna go on to the next one. We'll talk about um, Homespud Farm Bed and Breakfast in Griswold, Connecticut. Okay, so it's um, a bed and breakfast. Bed and breakfast. Yeah, you know, get you some waffles. You know, some you know some butter. And I wonder toast. if you can still eat. And sleep there. You know what? You probably could. Yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> sure they do a whole lot. But 
So anyway, it says that the uh, Homespud uh, Farm Bed and Breakfast in Griswold, Connecticut may look quaint and charming, but it is hiding some secrets. Okay. A secret in the form of a Connecticut ghost known simply as Old Simon. It says the breakfast den was built in the as a colonial farmhouse in the 1740s, and it has been owned by the same family for over 250 years. Oh wow! It still features the original board floors, stained glass windows, and hand woven. I'm sorry, hand. I don't know how to pronounce that word. Hewn? How's it? How do you pronounce it? H e w n. I don't know how to pronounce that. Uh, uh, hand home. home okay sure yeah. hand home beans beams uh, this is like stepping back in time literally without having to do a whole lot of uh, prep work with minor con- inconveniences and it for it to be it's it, basically the upkeep on it is very good it still looks like you're stepping back into time like you're stepping into the 1970s but it looks very you know it looks very up to date Right. But with the older stuff. Kind of kind of vintage looking, if you will. Old Simon is probably the most famous uh, of the ghosts that calls the, the, the bed and breakfast home. He is believed to be Simon Brewster, a previous owner of the property. He is a friendly sort of ghost, like Casper, I guess. He is a friendly sort and is <laughs> often seen in the garden watching over and tending to the flowers and the plants. The current owners, Ron and Kate Bear have both seen old Simon supervising them and on and on seeing a photo of Simon Simon Brewster both confirmed that this was indeed the man who they seen in their garden old okay. Simon is not alone however if you happen to stay at the bed and breakfast I guess you can stay there now you may get the sensation of being watched inside the house if you do then more than likely it is mrs. Brewster old Simon's wife. The owners are keen to point out that the resident ghosts are here, but they are very, very friendly. Well, there you go. <laughs> at least if I'm going to stay in a haunted place, at least I want to know that the ghosts are friendly and they're not going to kill me. So, there you go. Right. Or at least, you know, scare me half to death, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine walking down to, you know, in, walking into a room and there's some old person that you don't know sitting there saying, hey, how are you? Nice to meet you. Go over there and get you some breakfast. You walk over there and get you some breakfast. You turn around and all of a sudden he's gone like, Hey, where's that old man that was sitting here? What old man? Shit, I had too much to drink last night. <laughs> you would find some way to you know, figure it out. All right. But, yeah, that's crazy though. All right. Um, next up on the list is Dudley Town. Yes. <laughs> get the tables. Dudley Town. Uh, small brief history. Oh, I'm here. sorry, you said Dudley Town, not Dudleyville. I apologize. Yeah. Dudley Town. No disrespect to anyone in Dudley Town. <laughs> right. Well, so Dudley Town was never really an actual town. Okay. More like a neighborhood. The or... name was given to the area of Cornwall at an unknown date to members of the Dudley family who had immigrated from the United Kingdom. Okay. Uh, the area, which is now known as Dudley Town, was settled in the early 1740s. Okay. Uh, the town was converted from a forest to a farmland, and various families tilled the land for years, although it was an area which was not very suitable for farming. Mm-hmm. The population has now gradually declined when uh, more fertile grounds nearby were discovered. Right. 
Old farms in Cornwall were sold to New Yorkers in the early part of the 20th century. Mm -hmm. Today, most of the land has been acquired by Dark Entry Forest Association. Hmm. That's just a weird name all in itself. Dark, really again, Dark, Dark Entry, Entry Forest, Forest Association. Association. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and it says that they have planted hundreds of trees in the area, and the land on which Dudley Town used to stand is now private, and those who trespass will be arrested. Mm -hmm. There's two just in this episode where they're like, hey, you don't come on to our fucking land. Exactly. We own this. Does it make see the well the one area I get because it's of a church. You're like and, yeah. you know, and, the, and there's a well, church still on the property and there's still a congregation. This one seems a little bit a little I, bit more skeptical. I'm a little skept more skeptical about this one because it seems to be more like, well if it's just an area of land, if it's just a forest, like how what exactly are you doing it for? Is this is this something where the the meeting of the minds, if you will, I'm not going to delve into the conspiracy theory, but I'm just right. saying. I mean, is that is there a possibility this could be one of those secret get-togethers that we're not supposed to know about? It's very possible. Very possible. So, uh, Dudley Town is allegedly cursed. Right. Right. It is said that all of the Dudleys trace their heritage back to the Saxon name of Dud, D-U-D-D. -D. Okay. Um, and he was the Duke of Micaiah. And he died in the early part of 700 A.D. Okay. Uh, it was his land which would eventually become known as Dudley Castle. The story and curse of the town began in England in 1510 when Edmund Dudley, planning to overthrow throw King Henry VIII, mm. was beheaded. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, at the time of Edmund Dudley's beheading, a curse was placed on all Dudleys both present and future for their treason. Like your your children's children children type right. pretty much thing. Yes. Uh, it says all Dudleys from Edmund's lineage would be surrounded with horrors. The future Dudleys would eventually settle in Dudley Town. Mm -hmm. Several residents of the town were insane and some of them even killed themselves after having seen demons. Mm. Although the story about Dudley Town has been debunked Stories pervade about the curse and all of the strange things which go on into the town. Right. So, by that, they're saying that they've come to find out these stories are false. False, right. That's what the word debunking means, in case there are some younger listeners that may yeah. not. Or if you have a GED that. like me. Hello. Uh, numerous footage of paranormal events in town were purportedly been captured, mm -hmm. or have purportedly been captured. I'm sorry. Uh, my brain is working much faster than I can talk today. Welcome to ADHD. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> hikers and other visitors have seen orbs flying around in the area. Some visitors have also claimed that the area is unusually quiet. Right. And that it does not have any wildlife in it at all. Hmm. So no no squirrels, raccoons, possum, birds, not deer. E not even a nothing. not even an insect or it just says no wildlife like at all. Mm. Uh Famous demonologist Ed and Lauren Warren, who we just talked about just previously, talked about, have investigated the area extensively. Um, so it says that they have captured unexplained events, including strange orbs of light. Uh, so that's that's insane. Yeah. And if you and if you show up on this land, you will be prosecuted. Yeah. So I mean, I guess you got to have special permission. Or whatnot. Yeah, it, to, uh, I mean, but but it's it's so crazy because it, because once again, you know, we we go back to 
the old adage of like, okay, we're we're gonna just tell people you're not welcome on this land, and you know we're gonna have to you know arrest you for doing so. But why is it so important for that land? You see what I'm saying? That's something that isn't answered at this point. Right. So uh, we're gonna jump on to the next one. Well, before we jump on to the next one, didn't you have a couple? Yeah. That, um. That I, I didn't yeah, get I, in my I, research. I did just a little. I bit. did a little bit of extra research. Okay. I wanted to uh, put these on because I thought these were very interesting. Okay. Um. Because well, mostly when we do, and by the way. Full disclosure, we go to a little website called hauntedrooms.com for all of our research. Yeah. And we even do our own independent research as well. But special thanks to hauntedrooms.com for the uh, information. And if you guys want to check out any of these places, check out hauntedrooms.com. If you want to book one of these crazy hotels to stay in and possibly see a ghost, go check them out as well. And by the way, we are not endorsed or uh, paid to tell you this. So hauntedrooms.com, holla at your boys. But no, I found a couple that were I found interesting. Okay. One of them. Being in a little town called Derby, Connecticut, and it's called the Sterling Opera House. Oh, okay. That one caught my attention. If you if you look at it, it does kind of look a little bit like the Hammerstein Ballroom, on at least well, the backside of it. Kind of. The backside kind of it. Anyway, I, I can almost see uh, for for anybody listening in the uh, the Chattanooga area, it, it's very Tivoli esque. Yes, very Tivoli. I, I, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, the Sterling Opera House in Derby, Connecticut, is said to be one of the most haunted places in the whole entire New England area. It was built in 1889 and remains open, remained open until 1945. Over the years, the performers that have hosted events include Bob Hope and Harry Houdini. Oh, okay. Houdini was the one that caught my attention on this. Yeah, yeah. These days, it is, it is more likely to be the spirits that are encountered there. Uh, there have been a number of paranormal investigators over the years that have went there and evidence gathered during this time that included children talking and singing on the stage, sh- shadowy figures, light anomalies, and a sudden appearance of a child-sized handprint on the stage. Oh, wow. Although most of the activity seems centered around children, some say that the building itself is also haunted by the spirit of Charles Sterling, the man who the building is named after, as if he's the one protecting the children who have been left behind. Oh, wow. So that I found very interesting. Yeah, yeah. You know, the creepiness of, again, the, the, you know, the dead kid's ghost, you know, that, that whole phenomenon. We talked about that several times on these episodes. Um, to, to, you know, for it to be like, okay, well, now there's, you see, the, the, you know, the, the singing of children and things like that when you walk in. Um, and then to for the previous owner to believe to be the one who was still there, I guess, taking care of all these, you know, baby spirits. It's very, almost in a way, admirable, but at the same time, it's still creepy at the same time. Right. I know. Right. I just thought that was a very interesting one. Uh, I wanted to go ahead and talk about that one before we jump onto the next one. I know right. we got, because this next one's probably going to be probably one of the bigger ones that we'll probably talk about before we get to our main one but go ahead and go ahead and this one all right so the uh the next one up is remington remington arms there you go in bridgeport connecticut a uh, little brief history about remington arms uh it was originally started as the union metallic cartridge company okay. when it opened shop in 1867 interesting remington arms later purchased it and in 1950 1915 there you go. Expanded it to a 73-acre manufacturing complex. Hmm. It was among the largest munition companies in the United States 
during the early part of the 20th century. It employed over 15,000 workers and it produced tons and tons of munitions annually. Okay, so we uh, didn't we have an episode in the California episode about the Remington house? Yes. With the same thing. So it right. seems to me like the, the name Remington is coming up a lot, especially in terms of death and destruction. Right. right. Um, it was one of the champions of the industrial area era. And it was one of the cornerstones of the American military complex. However, it was only a matter of time before someone else did things better. Right. So in 1970, the company moved a majority of its production to Arkansas, and the site was totally abandoned in 1988. Okay. Other companies then used the factory before ultimately leaving it abandoned, but it is slowly being eaten away by urban decay. Yeah. The dilapidated dilapidated building is easily distinguishable by its barbed wire fences meant to discourage intruders. Right. So this is another one of those places that's not patrolled by police officers but right. they're saying, hey, we don't want you here because they've surrounded it by barbed wire right. fences and yeah. stuff like that. And nine times out of ten, normally whenever they do something like that, it's normally to A, you know, you can look at it multiple ways. Either A, hey, this building is so old it could probably crumble at any moment. We don't want you in there just in case it does happen. Um, but there's also been um, different people who would say, oh, well, you know, they just don't want us to go in there because they're hiding something and different things like that, you know. Right. So there could be, you know, many different, you know, things that it could be for, for that, you know, fence to be, barbed wire fence to be around it. Yeah. Um, but, of course, people are always going to go to the the most far you know, oh, extreme yeah, the far reaches. Exactly. You know, trying to come um, up with you know what ideas could be in there. You know, right. so so um, the factory, much like many other factories, has its fair share of fatal accidents. Of course, two employees fell to their death into a giant molten metal pit. Ooh. Uh, there was also an explosion in the factory during 1942, which was the height of the wartime efforts. Right. Uh, the explosion happened in the production floor and caused the death of seven workers and the injuries of 80 others. Mm. All right. Some people claim that is this event in which is responsible for the shadowy black figures which can be seen in the factory. It is said that the old employees still remain in the building, oblivious to the fact that it has been closed for such a long time, and most importantly, oblivious to their deaths. Right. Uh, also, in the year 2009, mm -hmm. this Remington Arms uh, facility was featured on an episode of Ghost Adventures. Right. Uh, and for those that don't know about Ghost Adventures, it's a show on the Travel Channel. Yeah, very good. That's, it's, it's probably one of my favorite. I mean, that, that and Ghost Hunters is probably one of my favorite ones. Right. Um, before we get to the one that we got last, I have one more that I wanted to get to. Real All right. Um, is again, one that I found interesting. Um, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. It is also, you know, I actually got this one from the most haunted places in New England. But it is in Connecticut, okay. so I figured, okay, this could be something that could be talked about. Makes sense. Um, it's called the Snedeker. I want to say I'm pronouncing that word correctly. The Snedeker Demon House. Oh, it's wow. in Southington, Connecticut. So they, they just call it the Demon House. They call, well, they, they basically, it's called the Demon House. It says that one of New England's one of New England's claims to, claim to fame 
in terms of paranormal is that this is where renowned, renowned, I'm sorry, renowned paranormal investigators Ed and Lauren Warren were are from. Okay. So, so again, now we talked about them. This is the third time we've talked about them today. Just this episode. Exactly. Okay. It says the cup. The couple both came from Connecticut, and this is also where they founded the New England Society for Psychic Research. Connecticut is also the home of one of the most famous cases, the Siddiker Demon House. You may also be, you may also, sorry, you may already could be somewhat familiar with this particular case if you have ever seen the movie The Haunting in Connecticut. You remember that movie? I've heard of it. I didn't right. watch it. So the the, the, the I'm going to butcher this name again. I apologize. <laughs> the Snedeker family moved into the house, which is form which was formerly a funeral home. However, before long, they were experiencing all manners of paranormal activity. The family had intentionally moved there to be closer to the hospital where their son Philip was receiving treatment for his cancer. In fact, as Philip was the first to experience the the activity. It was initially dismissed as hallucinations due to the medication of the cancer. However, the rest of the family soon began to see things too. Although Philip was the most profoundly was the was the most profoundly affected and ended up in an institution for several weeks after attacking his cousin. Some of the paranormal activity witnessed by the family included apparitions, objects moving across the room, and water running red with blood. The landlord oh, wow. claims that there have been no other activities, reported activities, since the family moved, vacating the property. But it's probably still a pretty cool place to visit if you choose to visit this place. I, I don't know if I would, honestly, um, because if that, because if these, if these ghosts didn't give a fuck about these, this family, what makes you they didn't give a fuck about me? You know what I'm saying? Right. So, I, but I do find it, find it interesting because we talked about these people, Ed and Lorraine Warren, three different times just within this segment um and again connecticut is known now in the horror movie world as being you know very pronounced as like oh this is like the new center for horror s type right movies you know what i mean so so let's get to the last one real quick of the day and this Less. one is probably going to be probably one of the most haunted ones that we'll talk about today so oh uh, yeah um so we're going to talk about norwich state Hospital mm -hmm. in Preston, Connecticut. A uh, brief history upon this it says after opening its doors in October of 1904, Norwich State Hospital held 95 patients and then slowly expanded to over 20 buildings holding more than 2,000 patients. Mm -hmm. As well as housing the mentally ill, it also began taking in patients with tuberculosis and patients who were chemically dependent. Hmm. Several deaths took place in the hospital, but the first death was recorded in 1904, so the very same year that it opened. Mm -hmm. One of the patients committed suicide by hanging himself. Mm -hmm. Two of the hospital's employees were killed in a hot water heater explosion mm. in 1919, and there were also deaths which took place outside the hospital, such as the hospital employee who died while crossing the road. Mm. Uh, the hospital finally closed its doors in 1996, and the patients were transferred to other locations. There have been several unsuccessful attempts to sell the property. In March of 2009, the town of Preston 
bought almost 400 acres of the land and in the same year the Preston Redevelopment Agency was created to oversee the development of that property. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's crazy that uh, they've got all this land with this building on it and they've not been able to sell it you know until and so the city of Pre- the town of Preston bought the the hospital is that what you just said do they bought uh 400 acres, 400 acres of land okay uh, where the hospital is located okay but not the whole lot of gotcha oh um, there you go so several people have been to the hospital grounds say that there are kind of this very like uneasy feeling right that goes on the structure of the abandoned hospital looks truly terrifying especially at night yeah the fact that it held over 700 criminally insane patients just adds to the horror of the place it is truly mm-hmm. one of the most haunted insane asylums on the east coast right uh the hospital salmon building is one Salmon building. Did they raise salmon there, or is it just because it was colored? That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking it was the color of the of the building. I want to say that's why it was called the salmon Uh, building. But it says that the the salmon building is one of the areas uh, most where the majority of paranormal activities happen. Uh, It says this was the asylum's maximum security building, a place where the criminally insane were housed. It was basically turned into a prison with steel doors bars and rooms which were similar to cell blocks numerous events were said to take place in the salmon building when norwich was still open nurses would report seeing children on the second floor some would hear screaming coming from the salmon building mm-hmm. doors could be heard loudly scraping open although the only entrance to the building was on the first floor what the fuck okay <laughs> It is said that the hospital's residual energy comes from the fact that patients were tortured in the hospital. Barbaric things were done to them. The staff would allegedly starve them, Mm -hmm. beat them, pack them in ice, and even sexually abuse them. Fuck, dude. Uh, Paranormal investigators who have been to the hospital report hearing disembodied voices, Mm -hmm. objects moving, and doors slamming by themselves. Most of the activity takes place in the Salmon and Earl buildings. Hmm. However, the tunnels have a lot of activity as well. Right. Uh, Various ghost hunters have also mentioned hearing a woman sobbing in Mm -hmm. the hospital. Security guards on their rounds of the property have heard beeping sounds from the lobotomy rooms. Hmm. As if the operations are still being carried out. Damn. There are also reports of sudden cold blasts of air, even on the, the hottest, calmest day of the summer. Right. So. Yeah, which is, I mean, it is Connecticut. Connecticut really doesn't get that hot during the summertime anyway, but for it to, you know, be okay. But yeah, but for it to be that, you know, for, for it to be like on the hottest day of the summer and you still feel that cold breeze, you know what I mean? Right. It's, it's, that's crazy, man. Um, so out of all the ones that we've t- we, we've studied today and we've looked at, which is the one that was kind of maybe maybe not necessarily freaked you out, but maybe one that you found the most interesting, let's just say. I, I would definitely say that the Norwich State Hospital, mm-hmm. uh, I wouldn't mind, you know, going and maybe wandering around and right. seeing, you know, 
right. what was going on there. Uh, and also the uh, the Fairfield Hills State Hospital. Yeah, a lot of the a lot of the hospitals are the ones that are you, the ones that people always like. Oh yeah, they're the freakiest ones because you know they're. Um, I gotta say, like for me, like I did find the the uh, the Opera House one very interesting. Yeah. Um, the one um about the haunt the one of the the, uh, the, the demon, demon house. house. Yeah, about the haunting of the Connecticut. Yeah, those two. <laughs> Out of the ones that we've talked about, though, that we did the more research from, um, the Dudley Town one was very interesting to me. Because I think it adds, because you're dealing with a lot of stuff, like you're dealing with the human, you know, element of curses and things like that. But also, where it's very secretive as to why, you know, we can't go to the certain areas and like, what's the secret behind it? Are you trying to help us? Are you trying to protect us? Or is there something going on behind the scenes that we don't know and you're trying to keep us away from it? You see what I'm saying? Uh, But yeah, I mean... Overall, man, I thought this was very interesting of an episode. Connecticut, again, it's been known now as being somewhat of the it, the new hot spot for paranormal activity, yes. especially in terms of Hollywood, because you hear of you know, especially the haunting the haunting in Connecticut, which created this whole you know, I don't know if it if it created the the new wave of the supernatural horror movies of today. I don't know if it was one of the main ones that did it, but you know, I mean, obviously Amityville to me would, would is always going to be one of the most, if not the most influential paranormal, uh, horror movie along with, uh, you know, the exorcist and a couple of other ones. Right, right. Um, but yeah, it was, it's definitely, you know, an interesting one. Oh yeah. Uh, so, uh, this episode turned out to be pretty good, you yep, know. And then we did. have uh, we got Delaware coming up, uh, and then we'll be talking about Florida. Florida's going to be a very interesting one. Yeah. Um, so does that really say? Yeah, oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> I'm I was, sorry. I'm going to wait till after that. I'm sorry. To show you that, I'm sorry, but, dude. It caught my my ADHD yeah. kicked in. I seen it. Oh my god, it's hilarious. Anyway, so thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode of the Hauntings of. Um, going to have a lot more things going on. Yeah. Always remember, please, please. Do not leave without leaving a like, a comment, subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. We greatly appreciate all the feedback. Please let us know. I mean, if you're a regular listener, please let us know what we can do to make this better for you. And if this is your first time listening to us, smash that subscribe button. It it costs you nothing. Literally nothing. Nothing. We, we appear in your... Uh, inbox of your favorite podcasting platform twice a week every week for free exactly uh and then also please send us some feedback let us know what you liked what you didn't like how we can how we can improve offer up some suggestions is there anything you guys want to talk about on the show we haven't done a poll in a long long time no Um, uh for some reason, Facebook won't let me do the polls for whatever reason. Well, I don't know if it's we haven't done of... the polls in a while also for the simple fact that the last one, uh, you guys wanted us to talk about haunted places, and we may have gotten in a little over our head on this may one. have. No, we and did. We, we did get it over our head. We had to end up breaking it up. Uh, it's going to end up being like 50 episodes because we're going to do It's just going to be haunted places in each um, individual state. Yeah. yeah. Each so. individual state. We may expand that as time comes and go, you know, into Canada and Mexico and different countries. But we, you know, 
we want to get through these the fifty states first, right? Um, which which I think I mean from what we've got, man, and everything that we've done, I think we've done a great job of it. And again, thank you guys for tuning in and listening to it. Because I mean, what's the point of doing it if you guys aren't listening? You know what I mean? So, right. so again, thank you guys for tuning into this episode. Be on the lookout for more episodes coming up soon. We got a lot of cool. Uh, episodes coming up to talk about still got our football episodes to talk about on our road to the super bowl and uh thank you guys once again for tuning in my name is talon williams i'm chip hazard and this This is is movement Movement Radio. radio